0: you can see exactly where the money went and where the transfer of title went to. And it stays in this immutable ledger that nobody can manipulate. It avoids the need for reconciliations. You have one ledger that maintains the entire thing in perpetuity. I think that's pretty damn amazing.
1: What does blockchain have to do with title insurance? The technology that many people associate with hackers in the dark web is getting a makeover as a legitimate tool for businesses and it's courting several industries, including finance and title insurance. One company that is developing several uses for the technology that will benefit real estate and title professionals is Ubiquity. I spoke with Wes Williams and Ian Staley of Ubiquity about why those in the title industry should pay attention to blockchain and how they can start testing these solutions in their company today. I'm Amanda Farrell, and this is Title Talks. Thank you so much for joining me today. I really appreciate you taking time out of your day. Before we dive into the questions, why don't you go ahead and both just give a brief introduction about who you are and what you do?
2: Sure. So just first of all, I just like to thank you, Amanda, for having us on. Big fan of title talks. I listen when I'm going on walks or working out. So I appreciate the insights you provide. And Problogix is pretty awesome too. So my name is Ian Staley. I'm a VP of business development at Ubiquity. We offer blockchain as a service products to the real estate aviation and land registry verticals i'm newer to the blockchain industry just recently joined the team about two and a half months ago yeah. close to a decade in the real estate closing industry working with Synargo and document processing solutions where we primarily focused on title insurance bpo services recording e-recordings and other ancillary services so i'm just excited to bring that experience to Ubiquity and bridge the gap for mainstream
0: adoption. My name is Wes Williams, and I also work with Ubiquity initially in an advisory capacity and I'm VP of Title, I think, is what my uh, designation is up there. But I've, uh, I, I'm an attorney uh, licensed in California. I've been an attorney for 10 years. I've been in the title insurance industry for a little longer, about 27 years. I got into the blockchain space three years ago, and I've been—it's you know, consumed me since I got into it. When I first learned about Bitcoin and then Ethereum and then all the many other blockchains that now exist today, <laughs> and now, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm obsessed. I've been trying to figure out a way, and, I'm, and then I eventually came, came to meet Nathan at Ubiquity. I try to meld my, my background in the title insurance industry with, with the blockchain space and continue to do it to this day figure out new ways to, to reinvent uh, the business of title insurance.
1: So yeah, on, the, on that note, you know, blockchain, that's a buzzword I think people hear a lot, and it's a pretty abstract concept for most people. So before we really dive into it, can you kind of explain in tangible terms what blockchain means?
2: I guess in simple terms, I would describe blockchain as the technology of trust. It provides immutable, which is unchangeable, record keeping from that provides a central point of verifiable truth. Blockchain can automate processes, it can allow users to scale and enhance security of data and funds too. But I think the most important value that blockchain provides is trust, which of course is extremely valuable in business, especially real estate transactions.
1: I I was also wondering too, I know I've read a little bit about there are certain organizations and institutions that are creating their own private blockchains. In your opinion, do you do you feel like private blockchain networks do those really count as blockchains since many people, you know, mention it being decentralized and democratized?
0: Yeah, I um I, I think that that's going to be the initial phase of all this. It's kind of like back in the early days of the internet, where you know we're not going to trust the internet. It's 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 the wild west out there. We're going to create our own little intranets and you know, our our own little communities internally and create these walled gardens. And then ultimately and eventually, people uh, realize that you know the internet is fairly secure and it's gone through its own iterations and been developed. And I, mean, I think it just how it's going to progress. There's ways of democratizing information in new ways that we didn't have before and create these collaborative cooperatives amongst companies and industries with aligned interests. I think that's going to be the initial phase obviously we want to keep that information protected because we do, you know, we're in a society of laws and regulations that we have to adhere to. So it's at the, at the initial outset, these private permission blockchains are going to have to be kind of the first step in this journey. That's the blockchain ultimately, and who knows where it's going to lead us, but I foresee it, you know, becoming the norm eventually.
1: And Ian, what do you think, you know, when you're having conversations with people who don't really understand blockchain and just think, think it's like a trend, what are some of the ways that you address? the negative connotations that are associated with it and how do you explain the benefits of of blockchain
2: Sure yeah I mean there's a you know in the title industry for example I remember going to different conferences and they would talk about blockchain the speakers would and they would tell the title industry folks that it would take away their jobs um, I don't think that's a, a very good way to introduce the emerging tech. The way that Ubiquity frames it is blockchain as a service. So it's similar to software as a service. It's a value add. It's enterprise ready. We leverage a robust, flexible API. So that can in- integrate into workflows quite easily. Actually, we're ubiquity is ubiquitous in that it's blockchain agnostic too. So we can actually build on various blockchains. So Bitcoins, Protocol, Ethereum, Nexus, all these other ones we work with. We're compatible with Hyperledger. I try to frame it as just another technology, get past all the hype, just another technology that's there as a tool and resource to help you with your workflow, make it more efficient, more secure, all the good stuff. You know, Something I do want to bring up is just a few weeks ago, there was the OCC Office of uh, Comptroller currency for the u.s uh authorized u.s banks to hold custody of cryptocurrencies for clients i think that was huge a huge step forward i wouldn't be surprised if real estate starts transacting uh with cryptos in the next i don't know how many years who no one knows but uh, that's everyone's guess but it just is a lot quicker to settle i often watch Brad Garlinghouse, who is uh, CEO of Ripple. And he describes the quickest way to send money from New York to London is to transfer it by boat. And that's the quickest and most cost-effective because fees are outrageous. It takes a while to settle in ACH transfers. If you have XRP, for example, or Ethereum or Bitcoin, it can settle within seconds to minutes with low low fees. So and it's more secure. Also, I did want to know that Visa, MasterCard, and PayPal have also dug into providing crypto service offerings too.
1: That's great. I hadn't heard that news before. That's um, that's great to hear. I I'm wondering too, um, you know, as we, we talk about when People will be able to transact with cryptocurrencies and real estate. Do you feel like the pandemic has sort of motivated people to look more into this? I know I, I've had conversations with people about remote online notarization and people were slow to adopt that, but now it's becoming more more something that people are looking into to actually start implementing. Do you feel like a similar story has developed with with blockchain and people's interest in that?
0: I agree. You're touching upon that. I think I think with the pandemic, it's it's forced people to leverage technology more so than they have done in the past, as you mentioned, online authorization. And as Ian mentioned, I think, I think at some point, you know, there will be more transactions in crypto than, than we have seen in the past. And, and there were news, story, news articles when, you know, a few years ago that people were buying homes with, with Bitcoin and the process was super archaic. You had to convert it from crypto to fiat to settle the transaction. There was no conversion back to crypto. But I think with, with the way the technology is and where it's going in the future, particularly with stable coins, and then obviously the OCC kind of legitimizing to some extent cryptocurrencies with, a, with the fact that now banks can custody crypto. I think you know, once title companies start to utilize this technology, we'll start to see these transactions transacting in stable coin cryptos. And I think that that's going to be pretty amazing. And just to touch on
2: that, we already, you know, in this short time during COVID, it's definitely accelerated blockchain as a use case. We actually just inked a deal with partnership with Rainier Title out in Washington. Uh, Bill Berkschneider, CEO over there, great experience in the title industry, great knowledge on blockchain. And we're very excited to push the envelope here in the title industry and push this forward. But I... I do have a feeling that the COVID crisis and the industry moving towards more technology based than it's already been definitely prompted that a little further.
1: Can you talk a little bit more about some of the mechanisms within blockchain technology that benefit businesses across multiple sectors and maybe kind of dive a little bit more into title industry specific?
2: Sure. So just going through some of the mechanisms for blockchain architecture, I'd say you know, nodes, transactions, block, and then the chain and validation mechanisms, consensus. And just to dig into a few of these, for example, you know, for nodes, uh, that's the user computer within the blockchain architecture that holds independent copies of data throughout the whole blockchain ledger. So that acts as the decentralization factor there. Transactions obviously can be used for storing records and information which is relative I'd say to any industry. A lot of these uh, mechanisms allow for general applications and workflows because transactions are a part of every business as well as contracts and that's where consensus would be applied. That's a set of rules and arrangements to carry out blockchain operations. Rule sets, it's pretty similar to any, you know, software tech supply the role set and then watch that thing go basically to help out with increasing efficiencies. So when it comes to, you know, for the block, it's a data structure used for keeping a set of transactions, which is distributed to all the nodes in the network. Financial data, it's a great application for it. It's anything that involves trades. So that's the transactions, which is what, you know, economies are based on. The chain is a sequence of blocks in specific order. So I always see supply chain as the primary op- application for it. And so so, for example, the United Nations attempts to make u- unique identifiers for food production and, you know, the supply chain of that. It can actually be applied to cutting back waste from food. As we all know, that's a huge problem. If we were able to cut that back, we could scale it out to supply other nations better and more efficiently. And industrial applications. So in today's global economy, if you're going to make a make a car, there's various parts that are from all different points of the world. And so if you're able to track the whole life cycle, increase efficiency and the time to put that together, that would help business and therefore the economy and probably more jobs in that sense. And then life cycle that I thought was really interesting, the life cycle, continuous life cycle of recycled material. So, you know, as you see recycled material, it can go on and on and on, but if you were able to uniquely identify that, you know, in property, we have parcel numbers, right? And then you're able to mark that, well, recycled material, not only in the first use, but the second use, the
0: third use, and so on. I think that's really interesting. Yeah, and t- touching upon that, imagine an immutable ledger that everybody, anybody that was commissioned in, that has access to, that they can look at it as a single source of truth, right? And then on top of that, you have a smart contract that functions as an escrow contract that automatically executes and disperses and effectuates transfers. And you can do this in in a way that's transparent that everybody can see. I mean, imagine the implications. It, It reduces the risk of defaultations, So you escrow theft and you can see exactly where the money went and where the transfer of title went to and it stays in this immutable ledger that nobody can manipulate. I mean, that's huge. And it avoids the need for reconciliations. So you don't have to go and reconcile between accounts anymore. You have one ledger that maintains the entire thing in perpetuity. I think that's pretty damn amazing.
1: Yeah, I agree. I think the potential for it is, is incredible. And I'm really glad, Wes, that you touched upon you know, the smart contracts, because one of the other questions I had was why why should people in the title industry, you know, pay attention to this technology and, and you gave a perfect use case as to, to why is there anything else that you want to expound upon that idea? Do you have any other use cases specific to escrow officers or title companies that you think that they would be interested in knowing more about?
0: Another application, which we, which we're working on at Ubiquity is a, uh... A concept called title token. You have to think about what the industry has done up to this point. So we have land record systems that are housed by uh, governmental agencies, and then title companies, in order to streamline their processes, had their own parallel systems, i.e., title plants, which some larger organizations have sourced and then have repackaged and resold this data back to their very own customers. <laughs> Um, to to utilize and that that the general public doesn't have access to typically. And if they wanted access to it, it'd, it'd come at a very high premium. Imagine you as a property owner creating your own title plant, which is essentially all the property information data on a digitized version of it. And the basis for that being your title insurance policy that continually is built upon by funneling the data from the county recorder office into this token that then you can share with title insurance companies and title insurance companies can then compete for that that business. Title companies wouldn't have to go back to their own title plans and research title. They can look at your title, see who's insured it because title companies have already utilized that sort of mechanism in the past to streamline their processes via starter exchanges. So you wouldn't need a starter exchange anymore. You wouldn't even need a title plan. You just look at the title token, see what affects title to property, and determine whether or not you want to insure all or a portion of it, thereby allocating risk among title insurance companies. And it would be a benefit to the title token holder because then they can they could essentially create their own, by virtue of their own title plant, they can apportion out or permission access to that uh, to that property data to, you know, various other parties, developers, potential investors, things of that nature, and they could monetize that as well. And then ultimately, by, the, by virtue of going directly to the title company by way of the title holder or property owner, it avoids any sort of RESPA violations that you would encounter because traditionally title companies, they market to, to real estate agents and lenders. In this case, they'd be going directly to the consumer. I, I think it's a different approach or different way to, to view title insurance that we haven't seen before. And I think you know, that, that would be a unique concept, and that's something that we're working on right now. Yeah.
2: And certainly just to piggyback that on the road to that, I think that blockchain technology puts the power back in the hands of the user. You know, it, it allows them, as Wes noted, for monetization, other streams of revenue. So I think title firms, when they're building out their own plant of sorts, they can leverage that data in many ways, cut operations costs over time. Say they ensure to purchase residential purchase. And then six months, months down the line, that family wants to refi. And so that cuts the costs on prepping that file for a date down. There's also commercial real estate portfolios that, especially during COVID, uh, we're actually talking to a group out in Cincinnati right now about this opportunity with our joint venture partner, Escrow, which provides escrow services with uh, cryptocurrency. For high value assets it's very hard for and commercial real estate investors very really know this is that it's very hard to get favorable loans from banks and if you don't have banks and you have hard money lenders and then it's about 11 and that's just way too steep in my opinion but basically it can give these commercial real estate portfolio owners power to tokenize their assets and take power of their equity control back into their hands and then set the terms when they're setting up digital contracts, the smart contracts out to other investors so that they can set their own terms on the loan of their own equity. So there's a lot of you know great things for this uh, industry, and I'm just excited to be a part of it.
1: It's really exciting to be on the precipice of this really new and exciting uh, technology that has so many different applications. And I hadn't even really thought about the investor side in terms of receiving loans. I'd heard of the term tokenization in terms of being able to invest in a portion of a property versus having to have all the money cash in hand to invest in a property. And I thought that was an interesting concept as well, but I hadn't really thought about it in terms of an asset that investors themselves can leverage for loans. So that's pretty, pretty interesting to me. And just to clarify too, I, I was wondering, do you have to use cryptocurrencies to do a real estate transaction if you are using a platform like Ubiquity, or can you use different types of currency?
0: Yeah. Uh, so at this point, right now, Ubiquity is using the blockchain as a basis to hash records to the blockchain. So at this point, there is no token component to to what we're doing. It, we're util- using the blockchain for solely for record keeping. But that's not something that we couldn't do. So if we wanted to create a token system, or essentially on and off ramps, like you know, building wallets and things of that nature to hold and trade crypto. That's really the only way. The blockchain doesn't track fiat currencies. You know, we have different system for that. You know, the Swift system is what the, the banking system uses to send digital fiat currencies. But the blockchain is what tracks cryptocurrencies. So a lot of these uh, stable coins that are being utilized today that are backed by you know the U.S. dollar. There's companies that hold these monies in reserve, and then they they issue a, a digital token that is supposedly backed. I mean, there's various stable coins out there like. And True USD and Gemini Coin. There's various ones. There's various mechanisms that people use to peg to the U.S. dollar to create these stable coins. Those are tracked on a blockchain. A lot of them are ERC20 tokens that are issued through uh, on top of Ethereum. There's this whole decentralized finance movement going on right now. Uh, DeFi is really big and it's kind of exploding. And there's a huge bull run going on right now in that in, in that ecosystem. But a lot of that, a lot of DeFi is built on top of Ethereum. So, and Ethereum is essentially the backbone for a lot of these stable coins. If you're gonna do a real estate transaction in crypto, you would have to utilize a stable coin built on one of these blockchains or else you'd have a separate you know, system that you're going to utilize if you want to transact in fiat. But there are on and off ramps that you would use to convert your fiat into these stable coins that then you could settle in and then ultimately um, trade. And I think what, what the Bitcoin and blockchain, the crypto space essentially is looking for at some point is mass adoption where you see merchants and then ultimately creditors, you know, people individually trading in cryptocurrencies as a option to our current fiat system. And I don't know when that's going to be (laughs) hopefully soon. I don't know. It's you know, that's I would say crypto
2: is like the application for settlement. It's best used for settlement as the value token. Right. But then there's also tokenization of data. And, you know, for ubiquity, when we're tokenizing a title policy or any data of land records, you know, we leverage ERC 721 tokens when we're building out on, on, on Ethereum. So, you know, that kind of allows that extra layer of security through the hash function. So there is that avenue. You don't necessarily need to process real estate transactions with cryptocurrencies. We can use that fungible token to store that data. But when it comes to the full picture, full spectrum and the future, I definitely think that, you know, cryptocurrencies will be involved.
1: Right. So at this moment, it's not like an easy transaction because people aren't really accepting crypto to crypto. You still have to go through that conversion process. So you mentioned stable coins, which is a, a term I don't think I've really, I'm really really familiar with. And so a full real estate transaction with cryptocurrencies, with the blockchain, the data of the land records and all that is probably years out from now. But in theory, that could happen soon is, is what you're basically working towards
0: right yeah. and, and and to clarify stable coins so basically most cryptocurrencies they're not backed by anything uh therefore they kind of they're wildly volatile a lot of stable coins are pegged to the us dollar so there's a one-to-one conversion rate so they don't they're not volatile so that, that was the issue with transacting in bitcoin so if you're going to you know say somebody said i want to pay x amount of bitcoin for this property if, if an escrow company were to take and hold that currency it could swing wildly <laughs> in this open market and then not be worth what it initially was agreed upon. And then ultimately, you know, somebody would be either left holding the bag, so to speak. So you'd want to transact in a stable coin, one that isn't volatile, that is pegged with the US dollar. So there is no wild fluctuations within the pricing of that, of that currency.
2: Definitely. Bitcoin is probably best used as a store of value. And I'm sure more like digital gold. You wouldn't trade uh, or purchase a property with gold because the value could fluctuate to the point that West is making unstable coins being pegged to the U.S. dollar or, you know, any other fiat currencies. Uh, Governments are exploring, developing their own central bank digital currencies. And in theory, we already have that. I mean, I don't know too many people who carry cash nowadays or even coins, um, but You know, that's that's on on the rise. I know China has been pushing for that. It's done some pilots tests for it. Um, U.S. is soon to follow with the central bank digital currencies.
1: That makes sense comparing it to gold because when I bought Bitcoin like over a year ago, it was at seven grand and then it had that crazy upswing to like 19 grand and then like the quick fall a few months later. So, and I know even within like the span of a day, um, it's it's incredibly volatile, like you said. So if you make a deal early in the morning and then transact later, I, I can imagine that being an issue for investors or whoever's buying the property. So that makes sense.
2: Definitely. I think that's where the developers came up with the stablecoin usage, because if you want to expand this technology to different verticals, you got to have something that's pegged to something that we trade in. So U.S. dollars, for example.
1: We, we talked on this a little bit already, the the title token, um, how else does ubiquity fit into the title industry? What sort of solutions does it offer to title companies and title insurance underwriters? I think I was reading about um, Lean Alert was one of the products or services that you offer. Uh, Smart Escrow was another. And then you also mentioned title token. Was there anything else that you guys wanted to talk more about?
2: Sure. Yeah. Just a quick rundown. Um, Lean alerts, as you noted, uh, it alerts customers when a lean is placed against them or removed, which is kind of a tracking and actually can send SMS texts to the consumer. So that's primarily white little product for lenders or even title firms. And the liens are recorded on the blockchain for maximum security and transparency. Uh, We also have a product called Blockstract. Uh, It's a blockchain powered module add-on, and it adds into title closing room platforms. Um, And it's kind of like the Uber-like process of finding qualified abstractors. Um, So once you tap that, it would dip into a pool of qualified abstractors, and it would allow for them to bid towards getting the contract to do the abstracting process to finish out a file. Um, So, you know, on the East Coast, can't really automate a lot of the guesswork or the risk for underwriters to and the title insurance to ensure a policy. Um, It takes a little bit more digging. Um, and so abstractors are still needed in that area. And so Blockstract takes the first attempt to automate that process a little bit more, but it still has that human element. We also have Notary Block, which is our newest product. It provides a single source of truth for notary publics to confirm the identity of signatories, ultimately eliminating the need uh, for notaries to maintain a paper-based notary journal of entries. It also supports digital notaries in their process. And just adds that extra layer of security also allows for scalability of holding that data. So when you're recording videos and you have to go through the whole ceremony, the whole ritual, <laughs> but uh, yeah, just... It's one that we're very excited about, especially with the Ron push recently. At smart escrow, like you noted, it's our smart contracts uh, product that allows for you know digital settlements and allows for aut- autonomous closings. And we've touched on title token, which Wes was a genius for. I think that's going to be the future eventually, and we're just kind of paving the way and and just doing the value adds in between. And we also have you know customized developments. So you know our partners are excited about something; they want to approach us with developing something. We're always open to that. We're very creative and willing to help push more efficient ways of getting the job done.
1: I'm intrigued by the Notary Block product. Logics just started developing a remote online notarization tool because of COVID-19 and we really wanted to help serve the the title agents that we work with and give them a good option in terms of, you know, having a safe and secure closing. Obviously, you know, one of the concerns that people have about remote online notarization is notaries want to make sure, you know, they're so used to having the person appear before them in person, confirming and verifying their identity through, you know, very old school methods of just checking their driver's license and it's it's really easy. I was just reading a study about I think it was like 72% of notaries were able to identify fraudulent I- IDs. So that means you've got about 28% who are sometimes missing it and I'm curious to know if there's other sort of mechanisms within that notary block technology that helps with verification of identity, or maybe if you can talk a little more about that and how it sort of integrates with RON technology.
2: Sure. As we may know, notarization is the official fraud deterrent process that assures that parties of a transaction in a document is authentic and can be trusted. Uh, It is also a three-part process performed by a notary public uh, that includes vetting and certifying and record keeping. So for notary block, we provide that central railway for this three-part process to occur. Um, It is secured and documented and time stamped and tracked throughout the whole process. Um, It allows for uh, verification that a uh, document has not been tampered with as it immutably tracks the transaction from start to finish and can be stored in a hash on the blockchain and then therefore it is encrypted and more secure and again that's for the privacy portion uh, allows for more trust that the data is not only authenticated and insured but it's also uh, stored properly. When we're talking about digital identity a mechanism within blockchain is uh the nodes uh can democratically verify an identity um just you know you take all these nodes in a sense and they can represent people in a sense and you can say hey well you know we know that this is more true than anything else because the nodes agree upon it it's sim it's similar and mimics um you know our voting style of uh of uh, government or decision-making in the real world um, and you're taking that and put it in, in, into a uh, a virtual sense. Also businesses and people can actually manually verify documents as you noted. Um, you do run into the risk of that uh, stat that you noted that notaries can miss twenty some odd percent of verification but that's always an option and you can always manually upload that information into the blockchain and say that does have value because it has the proof, immutable proof of ownership. So say, you know, uh, someone was in a transaction in January and then June comes along and they wanted to be a part of another transaction, well, you have that immutable record of their identity on the blockchain. Their uh, ID has not expired. Uh, You know that person is still that person. And so that can expedite the process along a little bit quicker for a quicker closing. And so when it comes to RON, Block provides that support layer. So it can integrate it into a RON stack, software stack, and it can hash the data, keep that data immutably re- recorded. So it has way more value because it's way more trusted. And then from there, you know, you are building out your value in a remote online notarization offering to the market as noted before blockchain is this technology of trust and if you have increased trust you're more likely to do business with that entity
1: and less i'm curious as a california attorney i know that in california you have to get a thumbprint for deeds, right? So and obviously, that's part of the verification process. And I know a lot of the reasons why people are scared to adopt things like remote online notarization is because they want to make sure that they have that clear verification. So do you feel like this technology is a good alternative to that? And how do you sort of like talk about that with people?
0: I, I think utilizing some sort of a fingerprint identity and integrating it within uh, this technology stack is, is obviously going to be the next kind of iteration of, of uh, notarization or, or confirming identity and storing it storing that data on a blockchain is obviously going to you know assist with that that journal of entries that you know that a notary is supposed to keep for themselves. I mean, working with the regulators to allow for this you know secondary sort of evidence is another thing. I mean, taking regulators of time to catch up to this technology as it is. You know the blockchain industry isn't where it's supposed to be when it comes to, the law and regulation it's you know it's slowly getting there and you know you've got legislators kind of coming around to the idea and people evangelizing for this technology but it obviously the the wheels of government bureaucracy are really slow to turn so it's it's going to take time getting to your point. I mean, utilizing a, a thumbprint when like we all do now with our own phone gaining access to it, I think, you know, integrating that technology into our software stack isn't going to be a, a huge challenge and 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 maybe that's where it goes. And like I said, I don't know. I mean, that's this is all conceptual right now.
1: Yeah, that's true, but it's fun to talk about. <laughs> and so, on that note, what are some of the other barriers that you feel exist to adopting these kinds of solutions?
2: sure so people's first impressions of blockchain i think left a stain i already noted about uh, some of the talks at the land title conferences kind of scaring title insurance uh, folks and escrow folks thinking that they would be losing their jobs i think that icos initial coin offerings and other failed projects in the space kind of uh, built up some sort of barrier mental barrier people not taking the risk I know I also have had many talks with folks about, you know, inquiring about blockchain, inquiring about ubiquity, but it was kind of the chicken before the egg talk. We know it's the future and it has value, but we don't really want to be the first movers. We would like to see more traction stuff like that. And if I had a nickel for every time I heard that, but again, I just want to shout out to Bill Burschneider from Rainier because, uh, and I've known him for a couple of years, uh, but he's you know, he sees the vision, he's willing to take the risk. And, you know, cost wise, uh, it's not that much more of a risk for investments. And, you know, ultimately, From my survey of talking with folks in the industry, it's just, it's going to happen. It's just going to be a matter of time. And I think, you know, with human nature, we see unknowns and we're scared of unknowns. But when we have education and research backing that, then we feel a little bit more calm and less, you know, scared of some things. And then we can adopt it and use it as a tool and a resource to help us.
0: So I think that's how we get past these barriers. What Ian was saying, it all boils down to education. It's still an esoteric thing right now. And eventually it's going to be kind of like the internet you don't have people evangelizing for the internet they just use it and it becomes part of their daily life and you know they don't really care what what goes on behind the scenes they just you know they can use and i think ultimately blockchain is going to be the same thing we're all going to be transacting value uh, you know across the internet that's going to include the blockchain and we're not going to understand or care how it works in the background it just we know that it works and there's an easy user interface and ultimately that's how it's going to work and that's how it's going to be. And it'll just become kind of second nature to our lives.
2: Yeah, I completely agree with that, Wes. It it provides the plumbing of sorts, right? It provides that infrastructure on the back end to supply for more secured and more quick and more efficient transfer of data and funds.
1: One of the criticisms I hear about the technology is the mining process and how it requires a lot of consumption of natural resources. And uh, I know that's a it's a concern for environmentalists, but also there are you know some transactional fees and and whatnot that are passed off to consumers to be concerned about. How does Ubiquity address those concerns?
0: Yeah, Ubiquity doesn't. I mean, Ubiquity kind of utilizes the existing blockchain networks out there a lot of those block a lot of the blockchains secure the data through their the consensus algorithm that they utilize in a lot of them utilize um, proof of work which as you said does require the expending of resources i.e energy but then they're also moving towards you know and and keep in mind proof of work is it's expensive and then you know it it takes it takes time for transactions to settle um, utilizing proof of work it doesn't really scale that well although People like the security of it. But a lot of blockchains are moving towards proof of stake consensus um, or delegated proof of stake. There's various blockchains out there that utilize that already. And like I said before, I mean, technology is going to change and adapt. Human beings kind of figure out better ways to do things. So proof of work may not be the best thing right now, even though it is the best thing. Uh, Proof of stake might not be it. But this is kind of how humans progress. We, We try new things. We break things. And we eventually become better
2: completely agree yeah i mean again ubiquity we had the foresight nathan and sam our ceo and ceo you know developed a strong robust api and having that ability to adapt to market fluctuations and changes allows us to build out on various blockchains so say ethereum's you know goes up right then the cost to record on their blockchain is not cost-effective to pass on to our clients, then we can move over to another. You know, that allows us to adapt to the market changes. Proof of stake, I think, will be, you know, the next level for, uh, you know, enterprises to adopt the the blockchain. It just seems like the sharding aspect for faster throughput, many Ethereum 2.0s getting ready to launch hopefully soon. Uh, That's been delayed quite a bit, but I think we're getting closer. As Wes said, it's going to take a little time. Another thing to note on the mining aspect, I don't know if you've heard this portion. I always have these random news bits, but uh, Peter Thiel, you know, originally from PayPal uh, invested in a BTC mining company in Texas, which is going to be the biggest Bitcoin miner in the world. Um, so, you know, if, if he's getting into it, I think they're going to find a way to make the mining costs go down. <laughs>
1: Yeah, clearly there's a a demand for that as as the technology continues to develop to to provide a better solution so that fees and and both, you know, natural resources are kept at a minimum. So for people who are really excited about this kind of technology, what are some of the ways that tech evangelists in the title industry can start adopting these tools like the ones you mentioned?
2: Sure. My first suggestion would be that they can call me to start the conversation or email me or at any time, I'm happy to talk about it, even if it's just for inquiries on, you know, philosophizing about it, very passionate about the subject. Um, But yes, Rainier Title up in Washington has moved forward with kind of being our partnership uh, test subject on all these applications. And I think that's a good way to go about it is just to test various uh, blockchain products into the workflow and see what helps you know and and from there we can build out uh updated versions to help beat it up or or secure it uh, further ultimately i think you know the goal is especially with the rise of cybercrime is to combat wire fraud completely and you know our smart escrow system definitely helps out with that just having the only validated parties authorized parties to meet at the instead of meeting at the round table in uh, person to sign off on the closing Uh, You're meeting virtually on the block to sign off on the closing. But beyond that, I would definitely say just going back to education and researching, there's vast amounts of studies, use cases out there. University of British Columbia did a case study on us when we did a pilot, first blockchain pilot out in Brazil a couple of years back for real estate registry office out there. Also, I would suggest getting involved into blockchain real estate organizations like Fibri, Uh, That's foundation for international blockchain real estate expertise. We'll be having a bunch of August meetups and most of them will be virtual. So feel free to reach out if you'd like to join in on those and just learn more about blockchain and real estate applications of it.
1: Great. Well, those were all the specific questions I had. Do you have anything else that you would like to add before we close out?
2: Just that Logics makes so much like great content uh, beyond just Amanda. And I just see it every, every time, like you guys on LinkedIn go really hard on the content and I appreciate it and just keep up the good work on that.
1: Thank you so much. I appreciate that, Ian. I just want to say thanks again for joining me. I really appreciate you taking time out of your day.
2: Thank you, Amanda. Be in touch. Definitely do a round two sometime.
1: <laughs> sure thing. You guys enjoy the rest of your day and hopefully we'll chat later. Thanks again to Wes and Ian. Remember to follow Ubiquity on Twitter for the latest updates on blockchain or reach out to Ian at ian at ubiquity.io. That's U-B-I-T-Q-U-I-T-Y.io for any direct questions you have. If you have an idea for an episode, email us at title.talks at PropLogics.com. That's P-R-O-P-L-O-G-I-X.com. Title Talks is produced by PropLogics and myself, original music is by Cole Sando. Original graphics are by Jordan Norris. Until next time,
2: happy closings.